You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Good afternoon, Catherine. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, and I'm really excited about today because we're going to talk about Backpacking 101. More so of a, an overview, because what we're going to be doing the next few series is we've broken down backpacking. I know we've talked a lot about rock climbing. It's because, you know, we had great opportunities to talk to Cody Bradford, uh, Eric, uh, who owns Core Gym, and uh, but now we're going to turn our attention towards backpacking. I started about three years ago, uh, so we've got it from a, a vet's perspective, but also a newbie's, and we're going to share that with you. So let's define backpacking. Okay. Well, I make it really simple. Backpacking is hiking with all of your camping gear, and instead of going home after the end of the hike, you camp at the end of the day or middle of the day, whenever you want to set up camp. And so everything you need from shelter, sleeping bag and sleeping pad, water, food, clothes, everything is in your backpack. And you're able to sort of go on that hobbit's journey, whether it's a short little jaunt or a multi-month through hike, um, it covers the whole spectrum. Um, you might be you know, walking a, as little as five kilometers in, make a camp and then walk out. And then you might be doing a lot more. So we're going to be laying the groundwork with this series, plus the articles on our website, that you'll be able to go from knowing nothing to knowing what you need, ideas of where to go, how to plan trips, safety considerations. We want to sort of create like... We're not going to go as far as calling it the ultimate hiker's guide because that's actually a book by Andrew Skirka. But, you know, the idea is just to lay this foundation and get more in depth with sort of those future episodes. So we're not talking about backpacking Europe because that's just a suitcase on your back. And we're not talking about the El Camino because that is basically hiking from uh, lodge to lodge or hostel to hostel. So this is uh, very different. Just want to make that note. Yeah. The idea is you're going to be in the woods, in the mountains, in the forests, in the canyons. Yeah. And so some of these elements can be taken definitely for a through hike, which by definition is probably a hike that's uh, a backpacking trip that's over 500 miles. But that's got a whole other set of logistics and considerations, et cetera. So that's a whole other conversation. But this is is a good place to start. If you want to, you know, we'll lay the groundwork. If you want to become a through hiker, you hike the Appalachian Trail or Pacific Crest Trail. Um, Now, plenty of people have done that as the very first hiking trip they've ever done. Um, But... If you want to be a little more prepared, sort of starting here and working in little steps up to something like that, so that when you go to do it, you've got everything dialed in and you're not sort of learning on the fly, this is a a, sort of a perfect launching point. So I have a question for you. Uh, What was your first backpacking trip? Uh, Basically, it was running a trap line with my grandfather when I was a little kid. Like if you you just taking everything with you and sleeping in the woods overnight. Yeah. I didn't think of it at the time as a backpacking trip. It was a chore. <laughs> but but that, uh, we had all of our gear. We were on foot. We camped out for the night. I finished our route the next day. So so by nature or by definition almost, as I've put it, uh, those were my first backpacking trips. My ones on my own were some overnighters on the Bruce Trail because, you know, when I was a older teenager i lived in ontario then uh basically crown land up in northern ontario which i 
don't recommend to anybody because there's no trails or anything. So you're just bushwhacking in bug terrain. And then, of course, through hiking the Bruce and the Appalachian Trail and all the other stuff that sort of followed from that. So, yeah. When was your first backpacking trip? Uh, my my first one was when I was a teenager. It was more of a new portage trip. So I, uh, I'll just reference that as a, a note because there was a lot of being out in the wilderness and having everything on your back. But in this case, you had a canoe. Um, but really, I would say it was uh, in terms of putting on some kilometers. It was with you. We did the Black Forest Trail. And so that was really exciting. It was thrilling. I had never... And that's a great trail to start because you have a bunch of loops. Mm-hmm. that you can do so uh, one of the nice tips about um, you know when you're going on your first backpacking trip is that uh, you, you don't want to get it in over your head so it's always good to start small if, if that concerns you if you you know want to have that as a safety net but uh, going on trip trails that do have those loops that you can just uh, cut it short if you need to and so that's a great one because also when you cross a range you, you've got a different ecosystem mm-hmm. so you really get the variety but uh, that was pretty exciting. That was about, uh, it was only three and a half days. Um, so it was a short one, I think about maybe 40 to five kilometers, something like that. Yeah, pretty challenging terrain. It was, yeah, yeah, but very uh, gratifying, Yeah, beautiful. No, that's, uh, and that that's one of the things, like I teach a lot of Backpack 101 classes at work or seminars. And one of the things to think about ahead of time is whether you are a hiker who camps or a camper who hikes. And what I mean by that is if you're like me, where you like to be putting on a lot of miles, it has to be my hairy hobbit feet that inspire that, then your considerations where you're going to be spending more time hiking than you are camping, what gear you bring, because you want to keep it as light as possible, um, you'll really minimize. You have everything you need, but you're not bringing a lot of extra luxuries. And then if you're... A camper who hikes, maybe you know you've booked a campsite in Algonquin, or uh, you you go down to Pennsylvania or any of the other places where we we kind of recommend, and your walk in is only like five kilometers. Well, you know, even at a moderate pace, like that's two hours most. Yeah, and you, and you can afford to take a heavier pack because you're just not going as far. Yeah, and the things that will dictate if you're in super like mountainous terrain. Going light helps because you have to overcome gravity. And if you're going long, light helps. Uh, but if you're just base camping, you know, or, or going in and just staying at one campsite for the weekend uh, and you're not going particularly long, then you can bring your little camp chair and a little grill to cook over the stove and a bunch of extras that, you know, when we're trying to eat up some miles as efficiently as possible. We wouldn't bring. Yeah, because weight really does matter. And not including uh, the weight of your backpack, but your weight as well. And that's kind of interesting. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when, when we chat about fitness. Mm-hmm. So that's always one of the things to, to think about. And when we're doing trips, we're not going as far. We're really just doing a little getaway. Just, you know, like what we, we did over Boxing Week because everywhere was screwed as far as weather goes this year. We had a below zero non-winter trip (laughs) because it was cold but there was no snow and we weren't hiking particularly far but it was just really about sort of recharging the batteries disconnecting yeah um so we had nice campfires and Mm -hmm. you know it was chill yeah in more ways than one whereas we've done like our trip last year when we went down to utah we were like averaging like 25 kilometers a day something like that yeah you know yeah those were 13 hour days yeah yeah and big terrain and 
And different mindset. Yeah. I think that uh, it's like when you're going on a long plane ride, sometimes you can uh, uh, overcome the long plane ride because you're just in the right state of mind. It's the same thing with backpacking, I think, at least for me. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because it sort of gets to the philosophy side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of four keys to, and it's not just backpacking, but I kind of present this for any outdoor adventure. And it's probably not bad for life either. And these are in no particular order. So we'll start with mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've had times where you're energized and feeling good, mm-hmm. uh, and then you are working at like, say, you know, 80% of your max, it doesn't feel that bad, does it? Right? Yeah, you feel strong. Yeah. But then when you're just having a bad day and you're in a bad mood, yeah, working at 50% of your max feels super hard. Oh, sure. I've had those. Yeah. 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 But I think at the end of the day, uh, when you're out there, you want to be as chill as possible. And quite honestly, and I'll say this quite openly as well, I really assess who I'm, who's coming along with me. And if they've got a demanding personality, they're not coming with me. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable. And, and you have to have that realization that this isn't your comfy, warm bed. You're not going to have showers. So can you handle that? Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and that's where you might decide that, you know, you only go in five kilometers and there's a lake and you bring some extra things, some extra luxuries, right? Yeah. Have an open mind. And, um, you know, sometimes we've gotten into situations as well, um, you know, a little bit with rock climbing or even on our backpacking trips that are quite nerve wracking. You want to be as calm as possible. Yeah, and, and get through things. Well, and one of the the things that I I find helps too, and this is from doing it a long time. I remember specifically like a few years ago when Katie and I were hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'm going up, and you know it's hard work. I'm like it's super uneven, rough terrain going uphill. She's like, "How's it going?" And I'm like, "Well, my legs are burning. I'm out of breath. I'm sweating my ass off." It's perfect, exactly the way it's supposed to be, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and it, it, it's just that, like, the exact same experience, um, depending on how you, like, approach it, uh-huh. can either be, man, I'm out here doing this, or, oh, God, this sucks, right? And it's just how you think about it. Sure, but it's always a, a good question to ask people, what are you hoping to get out of this? Are you that marathoner? that wants to pound the pavement, and, mm-hmm. you know, just so that expectations are aligned yep. or at least giving people the room to enjoy themselves, but maybe not do it together. In, in other words, there are times where other people are a little faster and I'm fine with that. You know, meet, let's meet at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. But those kinds of uh, discussions are good to have in advance. And, um, but also knowing what people's limitations are that might be health related, you know, yeah, and it's fitness just, related, but just to, so that you're not going into a blind and yeah. you can paint that picture a little bit in advance and then decide, uh, you know, is this the trip you really want to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're doing it, just embrace it, right? Once you're out there, it, it's sort of like the wrestling thing you see, like embrace the grind. Yeah. Like enjoy the experience. You Type know. two fun. Yeah. But yeah, so then the next piece, and again, these are in no particular order, is gear. Your experience will be better if you have the right gear. Uh, and we're not going to get super into this because that's what this whole series is about. Yeah, but you've got a great way of explaining it. You, you look at it in terms of systems. Mm-hmm. So let's go through that. Uh, so gear, we're going to get into it a little bit, sort of overview of the systems shortly. Um, then knowledge. Uh, there's sort of a saying, the more you know, the less you need. Mm-hmm. Um, Pack your fear. Right. Um, and that's, in the beginning, that's going to be one of those, 
people um, are overcome with the what ifs. Uh-huh. So, because they have no experience with it, then they're trying to um, prepare for everything, which then means you're not hiking anymore. You're doing this baton death march, basically being crushed by the weight of your backpack. <laughs> and if you have done your homework ahead of time, you've researched the area you're going to, the weather, all the different factors that go into it, you will be equipped for what you're going to run into. Like, you're going out in the summer. You don't have to have micro spikes and be prepared for a snowstorm. Yes, basically, you may get some colder temperatures that you should be prepared for, but you don't have to be prepared for everything because the odds of you running into certain conditions aren't likely, right? So that's where the knowledge comes in. Now, what's the next one? Fitness. Yeah, the worst is when you're climbing up that first hill and you're already gassed and you're like questioning why, why am I doing this? What did I get myself into? So definitely before you go out on hikes, you want to have, you know, a decent amount of cardio strength training so you can pick up your pack and have a lot of fun on your trip. But uh, there's definitely milestones you can put in place before you go on a longer trip. People don't often think of fitness as a safety issue. But aside from enjoyment, like, you know, being completely fatigued that you're stumbling around and you see the slightest hill and you're filled with dread because it's going to be so hard. Basically, fatigue can lead to you making mistakes, whether it's stumbling as you're walking, all of these types of things, or just making bad decisions. Uh And the fitter you are, the easier all of this is. Like when you've gone up a hill, yeah, you know, when you're fitter, you'll tend to do the hill a little faster. And sometimes speed is safety, Uh right? But the other thing you'll run into is when you go over the top of the hill, you recover quicker. We all know super fit people, they breathe heavy when they're doing something. But then when the hard work stops, it's like, oh yeah, I'm good. (laughs) They're good again. And so the higher level of fitness you have, and you don't have to be a super athlete to enjoy backpacking. It's just, you know, a, a base level of fitness will make it both more enjoyable and safer. So I think that covers the four in my little my little philosophy bit. Yeah, so where do we want to dive into? Yeah, let's talk about system. I'm a big fan of systems. No, it's a good way to approach it for sure. So let's start off with your backpack. Yes, aside from the fit of the backpack, because most backpacks come in multiple sizes, there's men's and women's. Backpacks are like shoes. You want it to fit you properly, right? If, if it doesn't fit properly, um, just like bad shoes are going to give you blisters. A backpack that doesn't fit properly, you're going to get sore hips, sore backs, sore shoulders. Shoulders, yeah. Right? Whereas a backpack that fits properly and spreads the load evenly over your body. On your hip? Mainly on your hips. You want like to try to get like about 75% of the weight on your hips. Okay. Um, and when you have that, like it just feels good. It's part of you. Mm-hmm. Then outside of fit, the two considerations are number one, the size of your pack, like how many liters of capacity it has. And then how heavy is all of your gear? Mm-hmm. Because some packs, like the, the one that you just got, you just got yourself an Osprey Asia. Yeah. It's a pack that is a lightweight pack. It's not an ultralight, but it's a lightweight pack. I think about two and a half pounds. Um, for a 58 liter pack. And what you're going to run into with that is because the thinner padding and thinner straps, when you have the weight on your shoulders, you're running into the thing where the overall load in it that is comfortable yeah. is going to be about 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. So if all of your gear is way heavier than that, yeah, that's not going to be a comfortable pack. 
right? If you get something like the Osprey Aerial or Asia, like, and we talk about Osprey packs a lot just because they're my personal favorite brand. Mm -hmm. Um, They fit me well. They've got an awesome warranty. Prices are reasonable. You can, they're sold by every big retail chain, like outdoor retail chain. So you can actually try them on before you buy them. What are some other features that you want to look for in a backpack? I want simple. I like one big main compartment. Mm Mm-hmm a top lid, then side water bottle pockets, and then mesh storage on the back. Because things like rain gear and what have you, you can put in there and it doesn't get the stuff on the inside wet. Plus, it's nice to have uh, some lash points so that if A, everything doesn't fit in your pack, you can actually lash stuff to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also say if you're using like a, a Z-Lite sleeping pad, um, the fold-up sleeping pad that you bring along quite often, uh, it's kind of bulky, right. very light, not hard to strap to the outside of your pack. But if your pack doesn't have any points that you can strap it with, it becomes a little bit awkward to, to cart around with you. So what is a good range uh, for a beginner uh, as far as price goes? Um, if you're talking Canadian, you're going to be starting a couple hundred dollars. So, you know, probably like 150 American. Yeah. And that's a starting point. Keep your eye out for the sales. <laughs> You know, so that's your pack. And when we when we uh, get into the episode more in depth, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get into like very specific things on how to pick them. Then your other two big systems are your sleep system and your shelter system. So sleep system is your sleeping bag and sleeping pad and maybe pillow. And then your shelter system, it could be your tent, tarp, a hammock with a tarp over it. You know, there's various shelters to protect you from the elements. And obviously, if you're using a hammock, it's part of your sleep system too. You don't use a sleeping pad to cushion you from the ground, but you still need some insulation and we'll, we'll deal with those more in depth when we get to that point. But the backpack, shelter system, and sleep system are your big three. So if you start off with relatively lightweight versions of all three of those, because they're the three heaviest items, uh. Um, your overall kit weight can be pretty light. But, and just as a point of reference, how much, how, how much does your pack usually weigh in the summer on a summer backpacking trip? Uh, mine's less than 30 pounds. Yeah. Whereas mine's probably between 30 and 35. And that includes your food and water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just so if people have an idea. We're not in the ultralight category, but our, um, this is one of the terms you'll hear used in backpacking, base weight. And that is what your pack and everything in it without um, food, fuel, or water, right? So all the things you'll consume, you don't count in the weight of that. And you're going to run into the thing where there's actually now categories. So if your base weight is less than 20 pounds, it's lightweight. If it's 10 pounds or less, it's ultra light. And, you know, we both sit in the lightweight category because then when we add food, fuel, and water... You know, we're depending on how long we're going out for. If it's just a weekend, you're probably under 30. But when we do like a six day, then you need six days worth of food. Mm -hmm. So that needs to factor in. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, sleep system. Yeah. And so what's your favorite? Uh, Oh, by far, by far a hammock. Why? Um, Because it's more comfortable. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually quite cost effective too when you compare it to the cost of a tent. Well, yeah, if, you, if you've got a tent and a quality sleeping pad, and then you compare to a hammock setup, then, then they're definitely are equal or cheaper. Um, tent sometimes becomes the option, though, because the 
conditions you're in. You go to the desert and there's no trees. Hammocks uh, kind of rely on the trees being there. But also if you're out in a group, right? Maybe you're with the family. Mm-hmm. Because when you take your kids out, you sleep in the hammock and put them in the tent. Yeah, there's bear bells on those uh, zippers, so I know what's going on in yeah. and out of that. <laughs> you know, and you're and you're but set yeah, up right next to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's usually not a problem um, if you're going to be in a forest. That's in fact, it, uh, I like the hammocks because you can pretty much set it up anywhere. All you need are two trees. Mm-hmm. I also love that in my case, my I, my uh, tarp is separate from the hammock. So um, I use that as an emergency uh, if I go on a backpacking trip or a hiking a day hiking trip, or sometimes I use it just as a rain shelter. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm uh, in between routes and all of a sudden I need to throw it up. So whereas if your tent already has that, then you don't have that extra feature yeah. that's separated from your tent. But I find it quite comfortable and just a lot of fun. Yeah. It feels like you're more a part of the nature. Yeah. I can't say enough about hammocks, <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> but it does require trees. So if you're in Eastern North America, hammocks are easy, uh, you know, but a lot of, a lot of locations, um, don't, not that they don't allow them, they just don't work. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're in sort of mixed terrain, then you can actually use your tarp from your hammock as a tarp shelter in between those times you have trees, mm-hmm. right? So there's some versatility there. Yeah, and then other items that you're going to need. Cook system, and we'll talk about this in the episode about food, but you can actually go with a no-cook approach uh, if you didn't want to. You don't want to take a stove and a pot and that type of thing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really depends on the temperature, I think. If it's not cold out, um, I'm fine not eating hot food, mm-hmm. but... If it's been chilly all day, you know, maybe it's wet out, getting some hot food in you, um, or, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's super chilly out, getting some hot breakfast in you is nice. Um, so that's always one of those, those areas where in the beginning, you know, if you want to save a little money, you don't have to get a stove and a pot and... Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, it was my first um, hike into the Adirondacks. I went on an, an, a very long day hike that I realized because I wanted to keep the weight down. You don't need apples and, you know, sandwiches. You can just eat trail mix or a high calorically dense foods mm-hmm. that will help you have the energy to do the hike, yeah. right? So that's that's interesting, and, and and of course Sarah Duma, she just eats candy yeah. <laughs> on her through hikes. Um, she never cooks anything, and so you can save tremendously on weight and not worry about going having to find um, a spare gas or. But the weight factor and space factor is nice to get rid of if you want to do that. Yeah, and it saves you time too, because yeah. just cooking dinner takes some time. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point because every time we stop, you always end up finding that we spend a lot more time than you think you did. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be like an hour at that rest stop. So if you do a couple of those in a day, they add up. Yeah. Um, Then there's all your miscellaneous things that you're going to need, like your first aid kit, your hygiene kit, your headlamp. You know, we we get into all of those in depth in sort of the future episodes in this series. Um, But if you think of things, like I said, in series of systems and water, uh, you know, because we, we didn't really hit on that one. You know, you need a way to process water, whether it's filter or chemical treatment or so that, you know, you can take water from a stream and have safe drinking water. And we'll, we'll deal like the specifics of that in those future episodes. But 
one of the things that you're going to run into is the idea everything you need for however long you're planning to be out is on your back. Yeah, and when it comes to food and water and emergency situations, you always want to have redundancies in place. Leaning into emergency kits, Mm -hmm. what are the essentials? Well, basically, you want to uh, have what you need to start a fire, make a shelter, and being that you're carrying that with you, you've you've got the, the shelter part covered, but you want to be able to start a fire, uh, you want to process safe drinking water. Mm-hmm. Um, conveniently, you're carrying all that with you. Then if you get lost, you want ways of signaling for rescue. And so that can be things like uh, a satellite communicator, whistle, a mirror. Again, way starting a fire. Um, and we'll get into sort of how you use all these things down the road. But the most common Um, issues people run into are getting lost. Uh, Minor injuries like a twisted ankle that limit your mobility. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not being falling off a cliff or being attacked by a bear. Yeah. Right? It's these little things that because they now your mobility is limited or you just don't know where you are. Yeah. That then can become dangerous situations. So under your emergency toolkit, I mean, I'd even put your headlamp into that category. Um, it's yeah, very often you, you, we go hiking and we end up coming back in the dark. dark. <laughs> and and that common issue for getting lost um, and not finding your way back and not noticing the landmarks, you know, vaguely remember when you came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are your hiking poles too? Really important, you know, yep. that can keep things, not then, help you go hike faster. Yeah. Um, and it's not just for the old folks, um, but it's also easier on your knees and keeps you stable. Yeah. And then obviously we're going to get into, again, specific episodes on like footwear, clothing, you know, how to equip yourself properly that way. How much you need. Yeah. Navigation, trip planning. Um, these are all different topics that we're going to cover. Um but what I'm going to do is take a little step back and let's take and um, recount just so that people understand what a day is like. Um, so one night backpacking trip. So we get to the trailhead, you drive, zoom, 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 park, describe what it's like. Yeah, yeah. So we've parked at this point um, because we always have uh, a, a trip buddy, a check-in buddy in place. That means that we've told somebody in advance where we're headed to, what the plan is. Um, you know, if you have a Garmin or a Spot um, device that will let people know exactly where you are, I usually mark, this is where I am. My car is parked here. Um and they already have in advance all the inf- emergency information of uh, my vehicle license plate, uh, the emergency numbers to contact if I don't get back by the time I say well. So once we've got everything out of the car, um, at this point, we're all packed up and ready to go. Uh, you know, we're checking the time, everything's on schedule. We, uh, we head out. And so we've got my garment on. So it keeps, you know, uh, it's our way of navigation and keeping track of the trail in case we get off route and we need to backtrack. Um, you know, you're, you're looking for that trailhead (laughs) and you're starting, um, and you're just, you know, you're with your hiking boots, you got your hiking poles, um, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, your pack's usually pretty heavy because you're fully loaded with water and you're always, you know, keeping very mindful of your next water source. I don't, we don't carry more than two, three liters. Uh, if we know the area already, then we're confident we'll take less. But nonetheless, conditions change all the time. Starting out, we might hike for a good three, three hours before we take a break and just uh, check where we are, where we're headed to, and 
Uh, we've got some granola bars along the way. Actually, before we even start, I'll probably even pop some candy or something just to help my energy be really uh, quite high to start off with. And um, yeah, after three hours or so, take a break. Uh, we might air out our, our feet. It's always good to have good foot uh, foot care. It's really important. So hiking boots, we'll, we'll talk about that later on, but it's probably your number one piece of gear. Um, or we'll continue along the way. And uh, until we get to our destination, that might be about six to eight hours later, depends on how long of a day you want to put in. Um, you know, we arrive or we decide, is this where we want to stay? So in our, our favorite kinds of trips are ones that you don't uh, have to plan out your campsites. And, and because we have the Garmin, we can communicate with our friends, you know, who we're checking in with, in fact, where we're going to be setting up camp. But, um, you know, sometimes you might want to put in more at kilometers and that gives us the flexibility to do so. Did I miss anything? Uh, no. Well, and, and the thing you run into depends on what type of area you're going into. So if you go to Algonquin Park, um, you often have to book a campsite. So that's where you're going. If you go uh, in a national forest or you go down in the Adirondack Mountains, uh, campsites are first come, first serve. They're free. Mm-hmm. And so basically because you've got both um, the GPS with the maps on it and you've got a paper map, uh, if you don't, you get to a campsite and it's taken, then you go to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the flexible flexibility with a hammock is that in some cases, uh, you are able, well, in many cases in the States, you're able to, uh, set up camp anywhere, anywhere, as long as, so long as it's about 150 feet off the trail yep. and from a water source. Um, so if you have to do it, you do it. Right. Yeah. So, um, that, that's, that's really easy, but, um, yeah, so you're finding that that campsite that's and that's part of the adventure. Yeah, and then you know once you've made camp, and we're, we're going to pretend it's an area that you're allowed to have campfires. Check whatever area you're going into because they all have different rules. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's times of year you're allowed to have campfires. Other times, um, you know, it's just based on what the the fire rating is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the forest fire risk. Other places don't allow them at all, like. The eastern high peaks of the Adirondack Mountains, where all the highest mountains are, um, does not allow campfires. But the western high peaks, the Dix Range, and the giant mountain range, which all butt up to it, have no fire bans. Right? So if you do like a loop that goes around the whole outside, you can pretty much have campfires, you know, as you go. Um, but again, if they have a forest fire, like a, a high risk warning in place, then it, it's in your best interest just to avoid the campfire um, because usually it's the height of summer when it's super dry that the forest fire risk is high. Um, so it's not like you needed the fire to stay warm, right? It's hot summer nights. Um, a lot of times you're sleeping on top of your sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then you know, you, you've set up your camp, uh, hung your hammock or set up your tent, uh, and then it's it's a case. It's like if you're going to have a campfire, you got to go collect firewood, looking for dead wood around the forest. Yeah. Then you've got to get some dinner ready, mm-hmm. um, and uh, preparing to store your food for the night. Uh, and that may be doing a bear hang, or it may be moving your bear canister a couple hundred meters away from your camp, um, and 
then, you know, if you are going to have a campfire, you start your campfire, you, you're all hanging around, maybe sing some campfire songs. <laughs> um, telling some ghost stories. Yeah, tell some ghost stories. Uh, if you brought any, you know, adult beverages with you, you know, make sure you take out your, your cans or, you know, whatever packaging you brought. Uh, you know, we're very big on the leave no trace. Yes. In fact, come out with whatever garbage you took in, like packaging, all that stuff. And then anything else you see, pack it up. Yeah. You know, be a good trail steward. Like, you know, if you want these areas to be wild and, and, and accessible, then let's look after them, like keep them clean. Um, you know, the nice thing is the further in the backcountry you get, the less, it seems that litterers are lazy, mm-hmm. right? So you might at campsites that are close to the trailhead, you might find more litter. The further in you go, it generally tends to be more committed people and they, they are good about keeping things clean. Generally, yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and people might be wondering how much water they have to carry. And as I mentioned in the, in the beginning, maybe two, three liters at the most. But really, it's the idea that you're going to purify water or you're going to filter it along yeah. the way. So, And that's typically what you do. That's typically how you time your rest stops as well, is making sure you, you have a lot of water. Yeah, near a stream. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're unsure what's coming up ahead, you should always take more than you need um, so you don't wind up, um, you know, in trouble. (laughs) Well, and the other thing you'll run into too when you're dealing with water is look at your maps. Like, and this is where navigation and learning how to read maps, right? So you can see where the streams are, Mm -hmm. right? So planning your your water top-ups based on, you know, what's available. You might even be able to find through research on the internet, trip reports, people's comments, if it's a very uh, popular route that you're going. Yeah, yeah, that that could be helpful as well. Yeah, because you can also run into having a dry uh, season. So like little streams sometimes will dry up. Yeah. Right. And if you you check ahead of time, you actually may find, oh, okay, so maybe for this stretch I need more water because... Or you might head towards a lake. You don't know that know that part of your tripping involves that, or this is a big river, not just yeah. a stream. So that's usually guaranteed. Yeah. So now you you know your campfire. It's time to go to bed. That stream or lake, get a bunch of water. Use your cooking pot if you want. Mm-hmm. Make sure that fire is good and out uh, before you go to bed. Um, off to bed you go. Mm-hmm. You know you're pretty tired now. One of the things I find like uh, when I backpack, I sleep well. Right, because my stupid brain can slow down because I'm tired, uh, and I get a great night's sleep. And that's sort of one of the. Uh, I love that feeling where you worked all day, and now you have the, that relaxing night around the campfire. Mm-hmm. You know the those sort of forest sounds at night. Maybe the wind rustling through the trees, and tend to have like great deep conversations. Uh, you know, around the campfire. Then it's like off to bed and like you sleep the sleep of the dead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And um, I find too that you tend to go to bed earlier. Well, yeah, because you've you've worked really hard and and then you tend to get up really early as well. Your day is dictated by the sun because you don't, yes, you might have a headlamp, but you don't have like the artificial light um, that we have around here, right? In the inside. Yeah. Uh, So it's one of those cases where you tend to be the sun's down starts to you know you start and you've worked all day so you start getting sleepy not long after dark yeah uh you go to bed Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You sleep and you, you tend to wake up when the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've had times where, because I didn't set an alarm, mm-hmm. um, I've slept like 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that happens too. But it, you, you feel really good. I mean, your body tends to reset. You've been walking. You've been doing way more exercise than you typically would. So that's good for the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, it's just, uh, it feels really good. Yeah. Beyond that, your whole world now is just down to outside of the actual like trek you're on, right? Like covering the ground that you've got planned out. Mm-hmm. It's eating, drinking, sleeping. Like, and each of these things, because you're, you, you, like clean drinking water, you don't have a tap to go to or, you know, a case of water in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You don't have a Brita, right? You've got to go get the water from the stream and process it however you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, your food, you've got to prep everything, right? And uh, basically even things is, and we'll, we'll get very in-depth with this down the road, but even like y- you got to poop, mm-hmm. right? The Sometimes you'll find like outhouses at some campsites mm-hmm. um, or a thunder box, which is an outhouse. I call it my treasure box. Uh, I don't know what kind of treasure you're trying to find. <laughs> I think it looked like a treasure box. Because a thunder box is essentially the outhouse without the house part. Yeah. Literally flip the lid. Yeah. And when you, you know, close it, it sounds like thunder. Thunder. Because bang. It's hollow. <laughs> um, but even that... Uh, the whole process of just something as simple as going to the bathroom. I find taking a shit in the woods is really special. I mean, sorry, wait, wait, let me back that up. When you're sitting on the thunder box <laughs> and it's just pretty and it doesn't smell like an outhouse. No, because it, it, it's not contained. Yeah, nobody's watching you because it's usually far from the campsite. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like you're just sort of sitting on a throne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So each of these things is basically what your world has come down to right? You're just engrossed with just the the things that would just be easy, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm hungry. I'll grab something from the fridge or I'll, yeah. I'll hit a few buttons on my phone and a man shows up with a pizza. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen out here, yeah. right? So all of the things we almost take for granted become the tasks you're focused on. Yeah. And it's super cool. Uh, like I love... The simplicity of it. Yeah, I love when you're working hard and you come across a stream and now you've earned either taking a dip if it's a lake or a river or just, you know, sticking your head in that cold water and feeling the sweat come off. Yeah, especially especially the height of summer. Like yeah, that kind of what you're... it feels really good. You know, where it almost feels too hot to be outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, but generally when you're in the woods, it's pretty cool. I find as long as you're well hydrated and you got a hat, that's pretty key. You feel you're feeling pretty good, and I, I know a lot of people are scared about bugs, or they hate bugs, and, I, and we do too. And there's, I think the good news is that there's places you can go to avoid them, and we we found that in the Adirondacks in the states for some reason in the mountains. Yeah, well, because they don't have a lot of standing water. Yeah, yeah. Right, like that, that's the problem with Ontario. It's why it's like a canoe mecca. Right. But it's also why it's like you need to be dressed up like a beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summertime is because we have so much standing water, lakes, ponds, uh, because our terrain is a lot flatter. Yeah. Well, it's just a breeding ground for bugs. Yeah. Right? We have more swamps. Um, you get in the mountains and there's water, but it's it's moving. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't have as many breeding grounds for, for insects. Uh, so you don't end up with the same level of swarms. You know, you talk to somebody from 
you know, upstate New York, and they'll say the bugs are like the most horrible in the world. Yeah. But that's just because they've never been to sort of middle Ontario <laughs> in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, because it's, uh, you know, like literally your mouth open and you're full of bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know that doesn't sound very attractive, but the great part is uh, just as we use like a satellite communicator and GPS um, for safety purposes when we're out, uh, and you know, you'll use like a GoPro or use your phone to take pictures, you know, we're not adverse to technology. Yeah. Um, there are, uh, things as far as bugs go, uh, that we'll get into that allow you to, uh, well, maybe not escape them a hundred percent. Um, certainly make it tolerable. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely ways around yeah. that. And then the other thing is what's the best backpacking season of the year? Probably the fall because yeah. it's everything's dried up. Yeah. Yeah. And the bugs are gone. Oh, and the bugs are gone. Yeah. And it's pretty and it's not as hot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you can backpack all year long. Extra daylight versus the spring. Yeah. Um, You can backpack all year long, but like I find fall is the magic time. Yeah. Um, You know, and when I say fall, like even like late August, the bugs start to disappear Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not quite as hot. Uh, That makes, you know, uh, that experience just so much better. And for different times of the year, when we get into like destinations, mm-hmm. there'll be sort of different ones we recommend for different times of year. Yeah. Like m- quite honestly, like middle of summer. Yeah. You know, pretty much because it's, it's late May now, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, so from now until sort of the end of August, I don't recommend middle of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Oh God, no. Um, you know, because I know. Fuck like, No. From our stats, a lot of our listeners are from Ontario. Yeah. Uh, the bugs are just horrendous. Yeah. Um, go go to the Adirondack Mountains. Totally. Um, I don't wear bug spray down I there. was there in July for their uh, Independence Day, and I didn't have any mosquito bites. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. So in the height of summer. Yeah. Uh, and we went last April, a couple of Aprils ago to Black Forest Trail. And, and so we did warm. it in the spring. And so there's black flies. Tiny bit nothing like hardly. it was the kind of thing where you're like, Maybe oh. like one or two you know and you, you yeah completely fine it was beautiful weather it yeah. was ideal for backpacking because typically you want to go when it's not scorching hot or humid and the humidity is pretty nil out there yeah i mean our favorite spots tend to be the adirondacks i think yeah as far as i i, I was going to say as far as local um it's not exactly local <laughs> you know well it's about yeah, you're right. It's about a seven-hour driving distance for us. Yeah. But the next would be, well, Black Forest, that was five hours. Yeah. Um, but definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and, but if you're if you're from southern Ontario, to get up into yeah. Algonquin, Killarney. You're going the same distance. Yeah. So, uh-huh. and guess what? It's free. You don't have to worry about booking. So you can, pl- it can be a real adventure. Yeah. And it's so well-maintained, all the, all the trails. And they have an incredible number. So where do you want to go backpacking this summer? Uh, or your next backpacking trip? Because I, I think, know we're doing a lot of climbing. Yeah. But I, I, I think the Dax. Yeah. You know, but do some different trailheads. Yeah, like, like where? Well, you've never done a giant yet. No. Uh, you've never been into the Dix Range. No. You've only been in the Western High Peaks in the winter. Mm-hmm. Although there's one sort of like, triplex of mountain summits that we want to avoid because they actually do have a swamp okay up in between them so oh, it's actually bug central yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the only places that really is bad for that okay um and then 
I don't know whether we'll get to New Hampshire or not. Um, you know, maybe the West Rim Trail in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that uh, would be a good one to do we, we keep in the thinking, fall. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not that mountainous, but it's apparently very pretty. Yeah. And that one's interesting because you, you can take a shuttle system. <clears throat> and if you commit to, I think it's 50 kilometers, you can choose yeah, whether you do 52 or 25, you know. But if you commit to that, then you are, they drop you off the end point and you walk back to your, your car. car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can do that in the uh, White Mountains in New Hampshire as well. They have a shuttle service. Oh, really? So basically from... Franconia Notch up to Gorham, New Hampshire. Okay. There's a shuttle that goes to all the different trailheads each day and then goes all the way back. So wherever you've parked, you just pick up the shuttle and just get off when you're back to the trailhead with your car. So New Hampshire, are those pretty aggressive, like hard on your knees? It's it's the DAX only bigger. So it's even worse, yeah. yeah so it's something, I'm already thinking about my fitness because if I want to do any of these, if we go for like... You better get on that stair climber. yeah. Yeah. And you got to start. And, and so just to the audience, I mean, we talked about fitness and milestones on my first Black Forest Trail. I think I went out quite a few times doing 15, working up to 15, 20 kilometer hikes. That, that was the ideal range. Yeah. Obviously, you're not with your backpack. So, you know, you can also train by going with maybe 20 pounds in your backpack, you know, but you want to work up to that and you want to get used to hiking and, and, under, and knowing how you feel. Yeah to gauge because that'll tell you on your actual backpacking trip how much you can likely put on that day yeah because if you're just going out blank like you have no idea and i would do more than five yeah with a backpack yeah um because you you run into the thing where you don't know how your body's going to respond um if you haven't done any practice hikes yeah um because practice hikes are both good to know how your body's going to respond and it's good for training and and practice camping too. A lot of people who are getting into this for the first time, practice camping outside. What does that feel like? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, even even take all your gear and go car camping. Yeah. Right? If it all goes to shit, you can get back in the car and go home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, find a local conservation area that has campsites or... Yeah. Something that doesn't require you going like far away. Right. And, uh, you know, you can work out a lot of the bugs, mm-hmm. you know? Because I've seen people who've gone on backpacking trips and have never even just set their tent up in the backyard. Yeah. And so they're out there trying to figure this stuff out. Or your hammocks. I mean, I remember it took me, when I did it on my own, I I was sleeping like a banana. It was terrible. And so you've actually got a really great YouTube on a video on how to set up a hammock. Yeah. That talks about that. There's a trick to that with the the ridgeline, right? Uh, Well, there's a few tricks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And... This isn't the tricks episode. Uh, we're just teasing you. Yes. So you watch our future ones. Or yes. Listen to our but we're excited because it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So hopefully we've got you know excited about backpacks or backpacking. The backpack is you know something to be excited about too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got like a, a a sort of that bird's eye view of all of the different things involved. Um, and then we're going to be getting in in the next episode. Uh, is going to be talking about sleep systems and shelters. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be getting into food and water. We're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty details. Yeah, all the options, what to consider when buying them, the costs, what our favorite hacks are, etc. Yeah, what our favorite gear is. Because mm-hmm. um, I've used a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, so... You can save a lot of money. Yeah, if you just basically... Done your research. Yeah, and if you... If you uh, I have a, a saying, which I stole... You know, it's not my saying, but it's a saying I use a lot. Um, 
when it comes to buying gear, buy once, cry once, right? If you if you do your research, you buy, it doesn't have to be the best stuff, but you buy good stuff the first time, maybe it's a little bit more money. But with anything other than a house or a car, almost anything else you buy, you forget what you paid for it in a month, <laughs> right? You only know if you're happy, uh-huh. right? So buy the right stuff, even if it takes you a little bit longer to accumulate all the gear. Yeah. Um, buy the right stuff and you will have it for years. Because uh-huh. backpacking is one of those things that's a little bit of an upfront cost to get into, uh-huh. but it's very cheap to do. Yeah. Right? So uh, yeah, basically check our website uh, You know, over the next... Uh, number of months as we get these episodes out oh this is new we have a website yeah <laughs> livewildradio.com yeah. or .ca yeah we're uh, placing all of our podcasts there we'll have some blogs and articles uh, under the adventure library yep and our, our goal is to actually be a library full of words and pictures yeah you know like a library should be not like the library next to us where I went in and they had no books <laughs> Like they have all sorts of other crap. Cafe. They have a cafe and they can, you can like, like a, an exercise bike that you can operate your computer on, you know, as a workstation and all this other stuff. This isn't a hangout community center. But they didn't have books. Like that just was a little pet peeve of mine. But anyway, uh, this is sort of our intro backpacking 101 episode. Uh, hopefully, you know, we piqued your interest to get you coming back for the future ones. But like I said, the, the goal is that if you go through this whole series and the accompanying articles, you will learn everything you need to know to be able to get out on your first trip. Knowledge is key. And knowledge is. So until next time. Backpack, take a trip. Eh, eh, eh. Aren't we supposed to say, work hard, play dirty? <laughs> she, she never remembers what the tagline is. But with a new one. Well, you, that's not branding. Sometimes you come up with new ones. But not till you've established, you know, do you think Nike, like, each time, uh, so we should say just do it, right? Well, you were making up new ones. No, I'm, I'm, every time I'm trying to do the, hmm. yeah, well, so the, this is how... Perf- play hard. Yeah, play dirty. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to need to make signs to hold up for her. <laughs> you know, this is where you can tell, like, we're not one of those, like, all slick, like, NPR-style podcasts. Yeah, it's okay. We'd hard, ha- play dirty. That's right. And, and soon check out our Teespring shop and you can buy the t-shirt that says that. Yes. I'm working on it right now. All right. So till next time, see you later. Bye.